the podcast of Dawn's House, which is what the world needs most right now. It's a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Eva. And today we are discussing Babysitter's Club number 10, Logan Likes Marianne, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> so, um, yeah, before we get into this, uh, before I started rereading it, I tried to think of what I could remember from my original reading of it circa 1996. And... All I remembered was Marianne kicks off her shoe and overreacts wildly and someone nearly says bra strap in front of Logan and everyone almost dies of shame. And that was the sum total of my memory of it. I remembered 50% of that. I remembered the excruciating babysitters club meeting where somebody almost said bra strap and literally not one single other thing from this book. I, I don't think it was one of my popular rereads. I was not into the uh, romance at all. At yeah, I have no recollection of this book. I had no recollection. And rereading it, some things sounded vaguely familiar, but I'm not sure if they're just familiar because Anna Martin used them again as tropes. Also possible. Um, and they were completely irrelevant to the main plot. Um, so the bits that like rang a bell when we actually read it was... um. Uh, Marianne talking about how you're not allowed to use tape to stick things up inside your school locker. So she had to use gum instead. So you chew chewing gum and that's... Um, yes. Uh, which is a, a clever a clever fix. But actually, I think I remember that from a different book. Um, I think they all do yeah. that. That's um, quite possible, yeah. Oh, I did some research about uh, blue tack and the nations in which it is commonly in use, by the way. Oh, really? Thanks to that. <laughs> yes, I did. And? We'll get on to that exciting news later. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. It's not terribly common in the States. It's there. It's it's not not sold there, but it was never popular like it was here. Um, hmm. So I was like, why would you chew chewing gum when you could put blue tack on there? Batting tape does nothing. Oh, what? Weird. Yeah, I just assumed it mustn't have been invented yet. I thought it must have been banned for some other arbitrary reason, the way that other things are arbitrary. No, partly because um, when I googled it, um, like I also read about the history of Blue Jacket, it wasn't very interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, mostly it was, uh, there were there were kind of people in America going, oh, did you know, have you heard of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, like as opposed to that, oh, obviously Blue Tack, it's it's what pulls the paint off teenagers' walls in this country as opposed to tape pulling the paint off teenagers' walls in this country. <laughs> Yeah. As we speak, I am looking at two patches where the paint had been pulled off my walls, where I should have fucking known better. <laughs> oh, I remember the other thing I remembered uh -huh. was that I didn't remember that this was the book in which it happened, but I did remember that Mary Ann had a grey tiger stripe cat called Tigger. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, the thing is, though, I think that we get introduced to Tigger in every single book. We do. We yes. do. And I, yeah. Like, but I, I mean, I, I remember her saying she had always wanted a grey tiger striped uh, cat. Okay. Um, that this was her, her thing, so. Yeah, I Ooh. remembered her asking her dad for a cat because she ha was on the outs with the club and uh, she was lonely and he surprisingly went along with it. But I had no idea what book it was from. I actually thought it was from, like, Marianne Saves the Day when they had the big fight. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember the incident, but I had no idea it was in this book. Mm. Yeah. I so. Anna and Martin were sorry, but this one was not super memorable. No. <laughs> a, a 25 plus year 
you know, gap between first and second readings and you retain very little, sadly. Yeah, okay, that is actually an impossible standard. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's really impressive how much we remember about the other ones yeah. and oh, like yeah. Stony Brook in general, so, you know. Oh yeah, yeah like, the the bits that we have memorised from other books, like, they just they just don't happen as much in this one. So, um, I feel that maybe boys are not Anna Martin's favourite subject to write about. (laughs) (laughs) She is, as Tumblr would say, a whole-ass lesbian. Yep. Um, Good for her. And there's a couple of interesting points in this book. Yeah. But um, it just does feel like, God, we've got to have some boys. But you don't really, because you had boys, like, two books ago we we have acknowledged that boys exist in the universe of these books and that is all anyone can be expected to do quite frankly I mean, logan is actually quite a nice male character there's a lot of good things about logan yeah, he's um, grand. for considering he seems like a lovely young man yeah there there are a lot of like ser- definitely lower quality boys in the series <laughs> yes so look at yeah. you alan gray yeah yes um we get to we just get to see lots of lots of that um so it, it feels a bit like she maybe did some reading on what boys are like in order to populate this book. Possibly, like, remembered what boys were like when she was in school and was also 13, 14, which is, like, the worst age. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're largely insufferable, and, if she's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, all teenagers are insufferable, but, I mean, yes. especially if she was... If when when Anna and Martin, we're making a lot of assumptions about Anna and Martin here, but you know. We always do, yes. (laughs) We always do. It's possible when she was that age in school and she was feeling this like, I'm supposed to fancy that Mm. (laughs) towards the boys who were just, whereas for for, for a lot of the other girls, they would have been 13, 14 and the boys were sort of obnoxious, but also sometimes the the other girls' hormones would have overridden that (laughs) because they would have had a crush on them. Strangely fascinating behaviour. Exactly. I don't really remember much of that around 13 to 14. I think I remember kind of going, God, people have boyfriends at this age, but how? That was, you no, know. you see, I thought when I got to, thir- when I when I hit the age of 13 and had never kissed anyone, I, I just assumed that that was like, I was the <laughs> only one in the world. <laughs> um, and therefore had to hide that shame forever. Oh, of course. Karen, I'll tell you how you get a boyfriend at 13. How? Oh yeah, tell us. You find a gay boy who needs a beard. <laughs> I know. If only I had realised and known about the really quite decent supply of gay men that were going to our school. Except there weren't men, there were boys. If only I had known I was a beard. <laughs> you got a boyfriend out of it and you made cookies together, so it doesn't sound like it was a completely wasted experience. It, it was grand. It was grand. <laughs> Could have been worse. To be honest, that sounds like a lovely first boyfriend experience, generally. Yeah, it was like, a pretty wholesome introduction to the world of dating. Extremely non-threatening. Yes. You know? Keith is very eccentric. Hi, Keith! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we, but we love him. This, and he actually got to be like um, quite a good friend of mine later on. Yes. Um, but yes. He uh, was a very he... nice first boyfriend. But, yes. Um, <laughs> I, but. It's probably not what most girls are aiming for in a boyfriend imagine if that if there was a babysitter's club where that happens to one of the girls look i wouldn't put that past the netflix show and i would be all over it that would be adorable i mean they've already had a gay 13 year old boy in it yes he just didn't date any of the babysitters that's true yeah you know because he didn't we've moved past the need for 13 year old 
gay lads to have beards. That's true. Um, he just casually mentioned having had a boyfriend at theatre camp or something like that. I know. Yeah. It was delightful. It was so nice. And nobody passed the slightest, like, <laughs> remark on it. Yeah. It's so nice. It's lovely. Oh, I, I know. And just think, like, your kids are going to grow up in a world where they won't even hear that and think, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Just like, oh, this, like, my friend was going on about his boyfriend from theatre camp. It was so boring. Like, <laughs> we're going, he could tell you that he had a boyfriend. And they're going, well, <laughs> yes, yeah. at length. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mom? Every so often, like when we're watching She-Ra or something with her, we have to pause the show and like explain why our minds are blown at the amount and diversity of queer representation in this. <laughs> like, you just don't get it. There just wasn't anything like this in our day. She's like, cool, okay, can we keep watching? <laughs> <laughs> Stop distracting me. Yeah, actually, one thing that jumped out at me, along with all the like diversity of uh, various different types, is that um, Glimmer's parents, her mom is taller than her dad. Oh, yeah. And you never you fucking see that. Don't see that very often no. either, yeah. And you, you just never see it like yeah. in a romantic couple on tv and she's like oh that's so nice like uh, and also you see it in the babysitters club which makes perfect sense because 14 year old girls are tall yes 14 year old boys are often quite shrimpy still yes <laughs> uh, which i i particularly remember from being that age and being the fifth tallest person in my year Ooh. in hong kong and i still know the names of the four people who were taller than me um, and the respective positions. Hey, on your revenge list? No, there. This was this was just a bit of a preoccupation of mine. Evidently. So not at that age, but in primary school, I definitely remember the person with whom I had uh, massive repeated fights about which of us was the shortest and which of us was the second shortest in the class. <laughs> so if you're listening, Thomas, it was you. You were the shortest. I was taller than you. I'm, I'm a little uh, intimidated. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And I'm very far away from Eva right now. <laughs> yeah. Shall we uh, recap this book? Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it starts with Marianne sort of reviewing the summer. And as we had all hoped and prayed, she still harbors a certain amount of resentment towards Stacy for her carry-on in the last book. Um, <laughs> She describes that Stacy was a real pain. She fell in love, L-U-V, as she always writes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad that Marianne picked up on that and was irritated <laughs> by it. Uh, yep. With this gorgeous lifeguard and left me on my own. So Marianne says that, you know, eventually Stacy became sound again and it was all fine. And Marianne talked to a boy at Sea City and discovered that boys are not, in fact, aliens from the planet Snorzak. <laughs> so she meets Don and they're going to the meeting and Marianne picks up her copy of 16 magazine, which has a free poster of Cam Geary, who is the heartthrob du jour. <sighs> and Marianne is, what was it you said, tedious on the subject of Cam Geary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just came up a lot in the last one. Last book. Yep. Well, Marianne continues to be tedious on the subject yes. of Cam Geary. Cam Geary. Um, she is horrified that he has a movie star girlfriend called Corrie Lalique, um, who has large <laughs> boobs, but Marianne cannot bring herself to say any word for this, so Claudia has to call it a chest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is our, this is, to, to 
cue up the idea that this book is a more mature book about mature teenage themes. Mm-hmm. There's quite a there's quite a few mentions of like boobs. In yes, general. Marianne's got a bra. Everyone's mm-hmm. got a bra except for Christy. Well, that that mm-hmm. kind of it's true, but that kind of started with uh, the uh, boy crazy Stacy when Stacy was observing that she filled out her bikini better than Marianne did. Yes, mm. actually, I think in the first book, Christy gives out about that like Claudia's full of notions since she got a bra. That's um, also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a recurring theme here. It's a really handy shortcut. I don't think these are the only books that did it. I, I like, I know I've, I've, I've seen and read other 80s and 90s kids books where, uh, and, and movies and stuff, where it was just a super handy shortcut for, yeah, someone's now really riding the puberty roller coaster. So they might have diverging interests for their friends who were only at that precipitous first drop. Yes. Ah, the, the, the bra as signifier mm. of... Um... Yes. <laughs> Mysterious womanhood. Yes, exactly. The uh, roller coaster metaphor. By the way, I completely stole from Good Omens. Just, just wanted to be upfront with that. That's not mine. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. The ghost of Terry Pratchett might come and kick me in the head. Okay. <laughs> the estate of Terry Pratchett might come and uh, issue with a cease and desist. Probably not, though. They they don't sound like they're that kind of asshole. Um, I'll message Neil Gaiman on Tumblr and tell him to save me. <laughs> he's he's probably. I think he's busy. Yeah, he's probably got other shit to be doing right now. <laughs> All right. Um, the girls go, they are starting eighth grade, and Marianne talks about how she's really psyched to be going into eighth grade because they're the oldest kids in the school, and at the end of this year, they're going to have a proper graduation, and then they're going to go to high school, to which mm. I've written, oh, honey. <laughs> these girls are never, ever you, leaving middle school. <laughs> you you sweet summer child. Thirteen yeah. forever. Um, it's kind of sad. I, like, I felt kind of, kind of yeah. bummed out on their behalf. It's like, these things you're looking forward to, they're literally never, ever going to happen. <laughs> you're just stuck <laughs> in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler warning. Um, The Anna Martin uh, outro, where she writes a little kind of, um, you know, retrospective on the book and the themes in it, yeah. which are always really interesting to read, I have to say. Um, she was saying that uh, she realised Marianne was the last of them to turn 13, which she does in this book. And um, my editors and I decided this, the characters would have to remain this age. It was a good decision. They're in middle school forever. <laughs> and I was like... That's so chilling. It's like the Twilight Zone. Or it is. it sounds like Twilight, <laughs> which oh, <God. laughs> is the other place that you can spend a hundred years in high school or middle school. At least it's all of Stony Brook is caught in this same bizarre time loop, so yeah. it's fine. Yes, at least like they're not being left behind. It's like Christy wished that she could just continue running this club and babysitting <laughs> and hanging out with her friends and not have to worry about any of this other grown-up stuff and some malign fairy somewhere was like, I'm going to grant your wish. It's a Buffy episode, basically. Yeah. 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 Right. That's better than Twilight. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Yes, they are. Sorry, I've, I've derailed us already. Um, but Christy made a pact with the demon and now they're trapped in a hellish time loop and they're going to be in middle school forever. <gasps> and Morbid Destiny just shows up every now and again to ensure that everything is working the way it's supposed to. Oh my God. <laughs> We've worked it out. Maybe Morbid Destiny is actually trying to break the town out. <gasps> Oh no, I feel so sad for her now. She's tragically misunderstood. She's the only one who knows what's really going on. Wake up, (laughs) sheeple. I like the 
this re this like re-envisioning of it. Yes. Actually, this is kind of fun. Yeah, we should develop this further. <laughs> Morbid of Destiny is the hero they all need and they don't even know it. Mm. So in another signifier of uh, maturity, um, Marianne and Christy have decided that bringing a packed lunch to school is babyish and mm. that it's much more mature to eat the hot lunch provided by their school, which is legendarily disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very, very, very unhappy every time they eat this food. And they're also like side-eyeing Don's lunches, which is like fruit and yogurt and granola and sounds like completely normal people food. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Stacy and Claudia have stopped eating lunch with their cool other friends. And now the whole Babysitter's Club eats lunch together every day. Um, and Marianne is like, well, have they changed or have we? What's going on? Uh, I better not draw attention to it in case I ruin the moment. So, yeah, we had talked before about how they, they would break up into different groups, uh, but they're no longer doing that. And the Shillaber twins have been left to fend for themselves and have found a pair of identical boy twins to eat lunch with, yeah, which is so I had, weird. I had questions about that. I was like, you're not obliged to eat with other twins if you're a twin. Like, but I also, I think... I honestly think, and it's not to pick on Anna and Martin because this is not unique to her, but there is this thing that I just want to like yell at people that twins is not a personality trait. <laughs> like, True. Well, I think the Sh- the Schlepper twins, it's their only personality trait in these it books. Is. I mean, so. yes, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that's bad writing. Um, <laughs> yes, it's yes. fair. It's really like blatant. I mean, like, I do that myself in, in when I'm writing, but I, I've never attempted to get anything published, you know? I'm more like, I need some sort of character for this person to talk to, but I'm not bothered developing one. That kind of thing. And that's what the Shillaber twins are. Yes. They're cardboard. We could assume that they are planning hijinks with the boy twins, because it occurs to me that if you have two sets of identical twins, oh. you could, um, you could, you know... The hijink potential is off the charts. Exactly what I'm what I'm trying to say. I mean, in in theory, like only one set of twins could be, or, or only um one pair of twins could be in school at any one time, and the others could be off doing whatever <laughs> if they took shifts and they were careful yep. to plan it properly. Yep. Okay. Our head canon is that they're planning elaborate heists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with this. I'm with you on this. They're like junior leverage. This is fine. <laughs> and then Marianne sees what she thinks is Cam Geary because all handsome males must be Cam Geary mm-hmm. but apparently it's just Logan Bruno who's moved from Kentucky and has a southern accent and Marianne is instantly violently jealous of Stacy because Stacy has met him once and mm. Marianne wants to know everything about him. Now, we do have an, an on-call linguist for this podcast who I consulted about how to pronounce the town that Logan is from, uh-huh. who helpfully responded with a wall of text about how he did once <laughs> get to speak to a local who told him the correct pronunciation, but also the correct pronunciation is impossible for any non-local to manage. Um, and that... If I tried too hard, I would sound like I was being pretentious and faking a southern accent. If I did not try hard enough, Mm -hmm. I would sound like a gormless European. So basically that all options available to me would be wrong in some capacity. So that said, I'm going to call it Louisville and call it a day. I'm going to stand here and be Irish and call it Louisville. Um, Louisville, I think 
that is how it's it's like people is trying to say Norlands instead of just saying look you're look, you're from Ireland you're not even from the right country to try to say it we're just saying New Orleans it's fine I don't know like I you're foreign anyway it's okay I definitely say you know? New Orleans but like I wouldn't say Maryland instead of Maryland like yeah sometimes the weird pronunciation is right and I think Louisville is one of those mm. so I'm gonna be wrong in a different way than you're gonna be wrong and we'll all be wrong together that's fair so if we have any listeners in Kentucky please weigh in uh let us know how you think we as three gormless Europeans should respond and how we should pronounce this bearing in mind that we come from a city which has a Dalier street <laughs> Um, and uh, oh, Anger. Nassau Street, Anger Street as well. Yeah, so we we have places that have French names that we have just resolutely scrubbed the French out of <laughs> in order to make it just as flat Anger, and consonant as way, possible. Anger is A U N G I E R. So mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, presumably it's Angier. Yeah, <laughs> and Dolier. And what's it? Oh, yeah, Nassau. I think is how. Uh, Nassau Street is supposed to be. Um, mm. Yeah. So everyone has pronunciation skeletons in their closet. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that I think that's fair to say. Anyway, we should return to Connecticut. And, uh... <laughs> You're off the podcast, Eva. <laughs> All right. You've been warned. So Logan, Logan comes from the town that dare not speak its name, <laughs> and Marianne instantly has the hots from. Uh, so then the girls are having a club meeting and they're all very, very busy. But Christy, being Christy, decides that what they really need to do is advertise more to get more business, <laughs> even though everyone is already working flat out. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, nobody sees the obvious problem with this until later. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more Cam Geary talk. Marianne posits that nobody has better eyes than Cam's, except maybe Logan Bruno, uh, and then instantly denies fancying him. Um, and <laughs> real subtle, real subtle, super subtle. Yes, she drops the bomb about the fact that uh, she now has a bra, and she speculates on whether Christy feels left out about this, which is really patronizing but uh, whatever <laughs> yeah i mean that's the second time i mean there was earlier in the book where dawn was wearing some kind of a fancy button down shirt thing she got off her dad and she's like oh marianne admired the shirt and dawn was like oh my dad gave it to Mar- and marianne was like don't say anything to christy okay good point don't mention the dads yes don't mention having a father yes christy doesn't like it i think yeah marianne is just a little bit prickly towards some of the girls in this yes. one. Maybe this isn't just a holdover from the uh, the unfortunate trip away. Maybe she's also kind of still a little bit bummed about the whole fight that they had in, in episode four. That's so possible. Maybe Marianne is just full of grudges. I think Marianne's <laughs> constant anxiety over offending people possibly also extends to she keeps a long list in her head of all the sore spots everyone has. Ooh. And can't help referencing them (laughs) yeah there's actually yeah there's a a line in the text much later that really supports that idea oh yeah what Um, is it so yeah where um she without spoiling um she has uh she's lying on her bed crying much later on she's very upset by a particular thing and she says um something on the lines of i spend so much time uh looking out for everybody else and they can't 
um, look out for me. Yes. So they've, they've just really misunderstood her and they don't know the kind of things that she likes and they've really, really offended her. Um, she's like, why does nobody get this? And it's a, it's kind of a very early reaction in that whole point where it's, it feels very honest. It's before she's had time to overthink it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she does have kind of a mental catalogue of what not to say around everyone and what things people might be offended about. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, she's horrified to realise not everyone does this. Uh, welcome to anxiety, Marianne. <laughs> it's just how it is. Oh, poor Marianne. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, they, they are back at school then. Uh, Claudia is freaking out because... The extra advertising they did has been wildly successful and now she's getting calls at like 7.30 in the morning from people looking for babysitters, <laughs> which is very obnoxious on their part because the flyers are very clear about when their business hours are. Yeah, yeah I have um, too many jobs. People call in Claude at all hours. Huh, apparently rich people have no boundaries. Who knew? Um, <laughs> so, because this is, um, a lot of these new clients are coming from Christie's neighborhood, which is... Um, she kind of, it was fairly reasonable of her, I think, uh, to say, I'd like to advertise in my area because it would suit me a lot better to get jobs from that part of town so that yeah. I'm not um, losing out to people who are closer and don't need a lift home. Yes. Uh, so that's, that kind of makes a certain amount of sense. But there's only, there's still only one Christy <laughs> and there's still loads of people who want to employ uh, cheap babysitting labor. Yes. I'm guessing also, actually, the posh kids in Christie's new neighborhood don't need to babysit for money. So mm, there's probably yeah. not a lot of babysitters on offer. Also, yes, Christie uh, is giving out throughout this about how the kids in her new neighborhood are all snobs, which is some nice uh, foreshadowing for the next book, Christie and the Snobs. Christie and the Snobs. Yeah. I was like, I this is another book about which I remember, zilch. Um, but yeah, it sounds like it's going to be... <laughs> Snobtacular. Yes. I've noticed actually like she's weaving in bits of foreshadowing for the next book each time. It's impressive. I noticed that and it told me what the next book was and I felt like I'd been punched. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, it's the next yeah. one. There's a reason I don't remember it very well. I couldn't bear to read it. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well, oh, actually. Coming. Yeah, I think that oh, coming. This yeah. is going to be kind of painful. We're, we're not going to go into much detail, but Louis the dog is not feeling as full of beans as he once did and that's all mm. i'm gonna say on that because fuck you i know you all know what happens in the next book because these aren't subtle storytelling <laughs> no, moments no, they here <laughs> so yeah so yes the posh people with no boundaries are all desperate to hire babysitters um the girls are freaking out because they all are extremely busy already and then a handsome stranger comes up to the table and says, I've got plenty of babysitting experience. Oh my god, that cannot be the accent. <laughs> I mean, that's frankly, <laughs> that's as good an accent as anyone actually trying to spell out an accent deserves. Oh yeah, yeah that's true. It she, was the... she spells it out phonetically a few times and it's... Excruciating? Yes. I'm pretty sure that accent, though, that you just did is... The kind of thing that somebody uses when they're walking into a bar in the Wild West. <laughs> they're looking for the man who shot their paw, okay? I mean, I kind of feel like that's the vibe yes. she was looking for, that he just, like, comes up to their lunch table and is like, ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, I kind of like that. 
so yes, Logan sits down and um, it turns out he's the solution to their, all their problems. Um, <laughs> or is he? Or he's a possible solution to some <laughs> of their problems. Um, so he offers to uh, help out with the babysitting and they're all fascinated and excited and intrigued, except for Marianne, who becomes literally paralyzed and cannot blink. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that. I feel that. Yes, I yeah. absolutely feel that. But it is hilarious. She describes herself as an ice sculpture of a Marianne. Um, <laughs> which is a delightful That's a good line, face. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, and then all the other boys are like super impressed at Logan for going over and talking to five girls. Um, and they all like jovially punch him in the arm, which is kind of adorable actually really nice how how accepted he is after yeah. a day in the school you know that's nice isn't it yes yeah that's that's adorable and uh, yeah it's it's pretty wholesome he went over to a bunch of girls to volunteer helping them with their babysitting business which is not the most like stereotypically masculine yeah. of activities no and um, and the other guys are still kind of like yeah props <laughs> so i like that yeah it's this is this is some non fragile masculinity yeah, um, yes. on display, and yes, Logan should be uh, should be proud of himself. It's good that I suppose Anna Martin was like, oh yeah, boys do this too. We should we should actually have a boy character who's just like it's good down to earth about the notion of minding children, which many men are called upon to do at some stage in their lives. Weirdly, huh? no matter what society tells you. So they decide to have Logan at one of their meetings to sort of test out how. Uh, how that will go so marianne surreptitiously tries to glam up for the meeting um she puts on an assortment of jewelry and a blouse um again with the blouses there's actually a lot of fashion in this book which i'm very happy Mm. about Uh, yeah it's great there'll be lots for us to get our teeth into later on um and embarrassingly everyone twigs that she's dressed up because logan is coming and then when Claudia goes down to answer the door and let him in, Marianne suddenly like scans the room and does the thing where you check to make sure there's nothing too embarrassingly gendered <laughs> hanging yeah. around, like <laughs> underwear hanging out of the drawers. And she sticks a doll under the bed and like, oh my God, this is such a mood. Uh, this absolutely <laughs> brought me back to when I was like 16 and a boy I fancied was coming to visit and I was like desperately hiding anything too effeminate. Um, which really doesn't make sense because like if if you fancy the guy you, you want him to know you're a girl but I mean given 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 your boyfriends in school <laughs> this guy was that rare rare thing an actual heterosexual oh nice I mean I like, know we got no you know any of those I have no leg to stand on slagging you off I did not have a boyfriend until I was 19 and in college so you know I feel like sometimes that might be the wiser path I think looking yeah, back honestly. I'm glad I think I would have just died of awkwardness if you're old enough to vote you might be able to make slightly better romantic choices I don't <laughs> yeah. know I mean I still died of awkwardness a lot, you know. And... But at least you didn't have to die of awkwardness and puberty at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I think that was, I mean, looking back, I'm glad, but, you know. Yeah. <sighs> so, yes, Marianne does a, does a hasty um, 
a sweep of the room to to hide anything embarrassing on Claudia's behalf, which is again Marianne being very thoughtful and you know considering everybody's comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Logan comes in and she becomes paralyzed again. <laughs> I don't know that she's considering everybody's comfort so much as she didn't want her friends to embarrass her as well. That's also fair. possible. Um, and I think so. Claudia's got a Claudia's fairly cool. I feel like Claudia would be cool enough to. Um, to just style it out, having a boy in her room notice her rag doll. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> the doll, yes. Unrestigated her drawer, I think she'd have been mortified. I think that everyone in the room would have died a little inside. Yes. But the doll was very out of reacting massively. Yes. It depends on how much of a slob you are. I really, I really found that, like, there were... I didn't have a tidy room, but I had friends whose rooms were much worse. I had one friend who used to seem to feel a bit uncomfortable in my room being the level of tidy that it was and used to kind of trash it when she was in it and be like god laura's only been over for like 40 minutes and i can't see the floor (laughs) this is normal for her room but like you know like you you should take out a bunch of papers and just sort of idly sift through them and then they'd be all over the floor (laughs) like i have to clean my entire room after she's been over no reason and i think that like some these are there are people who you'd be in their rooms and you'd be like yeah, there are just like socks and underwear everywhere. <laughs> Probably clean ones. Who even knows? How do they know? They don't know is the answer. Like, <laughs> okay, the meeting, the Babysitter's Club meeting, which was excruciating. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I will say that I am very, very happy to observe that somebody has told the girls about sugar-free snacks other than crackers. Because mm-hmm. earlier, uh, Stacy and Dawn were eating pretzels and now they're eating popcorn, which I'm just so relieved that they're no longer having to, like, eat packets of saltines every time they get yes. together. Um, <laughs> so the, the sight of the popcorn pushes Claudia into an anecdote about Dorian Wallingford and Pete Black, who went to a date at the cinema. And Pete Black tried to snap her. Brr. And she almost says brass strap. And the meeting grinds to a halt. <gasps> Well, said Logan, only it sounded like whale. (laughs) (laughs) Whale. (laughs) Whale. So, yeah, it just, everybody just stops in their tracks and it's terrible. And they're all, there's just a a silence that you could cut with a knife. (laughs) (laughs) And it is actually hilarious. Um, Yeah. If you're an adult reading this outside of, and you know you're never going to have to worry about this exact scenario, it's hilarious. (laughs) I think it is actually as a kid it would be very cringy. She really does excruciating teenage moments very well. And then Martin does like yes. beautifully captures that awkwardness. She's very good at awkward. Definitely. So Claudia tries to paper over the faux pas by asking him about his worst babysitting experiences. So he starts telling some some stories about a kid flushing a, her dad's tie down the toilet and a kid um, messing with his mom's lipstick and coloring the room. And then he starts to tell a story about potty training a little boy. And it's clearly going to be a story that hinges on the fact that penises exist. <laughs> and then halfway through the story, he realizes his mistake. And then everyone continues to die inside. And he, he says, oh, uh, I, I just realized I can't tell you the end of that story. And I was like, I'm actually more curious about what that could involve. Like, <laughs> I know. I feel like potty training stories are should be exempt from this level of like mortification because like I'm guessing the kid just got to the bathroom and peed all over the place. I mean, I, 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 yeah. 
like this is just what happens when there are yeah. small kids around and it's really going to hinder your babysitting career if you can't deal with the fact that sooner or later you're going to get peed on i i don't think any of them would have objected to experiencing it i think it's just the fact that there's a boy in their bedroom talking about a story that sort of implies that humans have genitals the girls were listening avidly and then then Logan is the one who yeah. stopped in his tracks and went, I, I can't refer to penises in front of all these girls. Okay, yeah, that, that sort I of... I get it. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I, right. I, I get that more than the brass strap thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I probably would have been like, oh yeah, by the way, Logan, just in case you didn't know, girls don't like that. Could could you tell the other boys that <laughs> yeah. that's not a good... Girls hate that. That this is just not something you ever need to do. <laughs> yes, that would have been a good teaching moment. Never do this. But Claudia is like, uh, he snapped her brass trap. Whereas actually, I hope that he got a smack for that. Like, yes, actually, Claudia should not be finding this funny. Hey, here's a question, right? Is that a thing? I mean, no one ever snapped my brass trap, but I think we've all seen how popular I was with the boys in school. So I remember in primary school, someone stuck a note on the back of a girl's t-shirt that said, snap my bra. But I think another girl took it off her before anyone actually did snap her bra. Mm-hmm. But I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's like in the babysitter's club. The stories are true. <laughs> I have a sense that teenage boys, a lot of the time, mightn't be that confident on where the bra strap is to be found. I <laughs> might not want to risk it. So they just use a different form of slagging. There was a lot of slagging in our school, but it tended to Verbal. you know, take place at a sort of a regency approved distance of 10 or more feet and I was like, <laughs> yeah across the other side of the corridor like. i mean the idea of the brass trap thing is kind of supposed to from what i can garner from like reading accounts of it from cultures where it's a thing it's supposed to indicate some kind of i'm sorry it's not i've never met anyone who no it's just so anthropological it just makes it sound like you're reading an ethnography of brass trap snapping <laughs> no i'm reading tumblr uh but um same thing same thing uh, but yeah, it seems to, to be supposed to indicate some form of interest in the pigtail pulling kind of way. Yeah, I always took it more to mean like, I'm just lampshading the fact that you wear a bra and you should feel embarrassed about that. I, I, I kind of think that the subtext was, I'm lampshading the fact that you wear a bra and I want you to feel embarrassed about that because I keep thinking about the fact that you have breasts and I'm embarrassed about that. <laughs> That's probably a good deconstruction of what the... the... <laughs> yes, the psychology of bra straps. I would actually genuinely um, like, like to find out if other people who aren't embarrassed... Did anyone I actually know have their actual bra strap actually tweaked when they were between the ages of 11 and 15, you know? We can put out a query on the Twitter. I think that, like, I'm just going to ask Facebook, but yeah. Set up a survey monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to WhatsApp my 14-year-old nephew and ask if that is a thing. Oh, no, off. don't do that. Hello, nephew. Have you have you performed minor sexual harassment of the girls your age? <laughs> no. Don't do that. Just like, ask I was going to ask him if he'd done it. I was going to say, is it a thing that boys do? No, 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 no. Think, wait, don't, before you do it, r- let me remind you of the instant in which 
my dad as a small boy and his brothers were out innocently throwing snowballs at each other. And an old biddy, as they described it, looked out her upstairs window and said, Now, boys, make sure you don't put stones inside any of those snowballs. And they looked at each other and light bulbs went on <laughs> over their multiple heads. <laughs> so, don't suggest this kind of crime to your teenage nephew in case he hasn't thought of it, in case it's not a thing that people do anymore. All right. Yes. I don't want to create the very future that I'm trying to prevent. <laughs> yes. Have we lost Eva? No, sorry. I... I'm posting on our Tumblr asking about this. Oh, right. <laughs> you were so still that I thought your Zoom had frozen. No, 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 no. I was, I was typing with my thumbs. Excellent. Go for it. And being a millennial, I'm on my phone. Perfect. <laughs> of course. Aoife, can you just live in the moment? <laughs> Never in my life. Next question. <laughs> I feel like making a nostalgia podcast about the books we read as preteens is the opposite of living in the moment. So they're they're saved by Mrs. Radowski, who phones and says that she needs a babysitter for her boys, or one mm -hmm. of her boys. And so they decide to send Logan along as a sort of trial babysitting assignment, and they will send Marianne to shadow him. Mm. She does some peer review. <laughs> yes. Uh, which at no point is there a question of whether or not Marianne will get paid for her time, uh, which is just an interesting little peek at the relationship between Christy and Marianne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's an excellent point. She's like, you're my trusted lieutenant and I will send you on this job and it will not even occur to you that you should probably also get paid for it. Like, <laughs> But maybe I'm just, you know, sensitive about being asked to do unpaid peer review <laughs> not for any particular reason how's academia karen it's great <laughs> as you can imagine yeah you're actually right i had completely missed that but this is extremely christy christy has decided marianne is going to go mm. and do some unpaid babysitting observation <laughs> and marianne is just like completely like i'm going to spend several hours in a house with Logan. Also, Mrs. Radowski is very trusting in that, yes, uh, we have a, a babysitting couple that will be at your house. Yeah, like, if <laughs> I had hired a babysitter and a couple turned up, I'd be a bit, I, I, I'd wonder if some babysitter's agency stuff was about to go down that <laughs> way. Well, maybe the babysitter's club is, has such a good reputation now that they, you know, are able to. That's true. Everybody knows that they, uh, they have impeccable morals. They won't smoke. <laughs> they won't smooch. It's all good. <laughs> the two sins. No smoking, smooching, or smirking. Three sins. <laughs> snapping bubblegum. Yes. Four. No snapping, smoking, or smooching. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. But... It's amazing. Well, I think we found our sign off for the episode already. <laughs> We will not be able to say it by the time we get there. No, definitely not. So they turn up. Mrs. Radowski is a cool mom. She's not like the other moms. Um, she tells them to call her Mariel, which Marianne is instantly unable like, to do. No, I'm not going to be doing that. Yep. Like. Um, so off she goes to the Stony Brook Historical Society and cheerfully tells them to keep a close eye on Jackie. Ha, 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 ha. She knows exactly what she's like letting them in for. Jackie Radowski, again, is something that everyone who read these books remembers, even though I didn't yes. remember that this was specifically where mm -hmm. they appeared. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, same. Jackie Radowski is a sort of chaos entity. 
Yes. Um, he's a trickster god. Yes. Yes. That is what he is. Looking at it now, I think he's a little boy with dyspraxia. Yeah. You know, before we reread this, I was like, God, I bet Jackie Radowski just had dyspraxia all along. And now I'm like, he's also just wildly he's unlucky. also making poor choices. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I know he's only four, but he's making poor choices. There is a fine tradition of kids' books that have characters, and I think particularly in like the 60s, um, but, uh, you know, and onward, where they are just accident-prone because it makes for an enjoyable narrative. Yes. And I presume there are enough of these kids in real life. Mine do that a bit, but they're also... I don't have to be constantly shadowing them so that they don't, like, you know, set something on fire <laughs> through just happy-go-luckiness. <laughs> um, but I do, I know various people who have said to me, like, oh yeah, my, my sibling, like, if you turned your back on him, he'd be in the pond. Like, <laughs> you just couldn't have him near a water feature. We had spare clothes wherever we went, that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, there there are some kids that just go through phases like this. Maybe Mariel is, like, hopeful that Jackie will grow out of it. And in the meantime, she's going <laughs> to hire babysitters so that she can escape occasionally. Mariel doesn't know that they're stuck in a time loop forever. Jackie will never get any older or any less disaster prone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's stuck with them like this forever. I'm, I'm not okay with this. I, I don't like this um, headcanon anymore. It's more upsetting the more you think about it. <laughs> So while, while Marianne is trying to grade Logan's performance, Jackie is throwing a variety of curveballs. Um, he pretends to be a basketball and bounces off the couch. Mm -hmm. uh, Logan manages to divert him before crashing into the piano. <laughs> um, then he tries to do pull-ups on the shower curtain rod and pulls down the shower curtain, mm -hmm. which I think of every time I'm in the shower and I accidentally pull down the shower curtain rod. Uh, <laughs> which is fairly frequent. Um, and literally every time it happens, I think, just like Jackie Radowski. Nice. <laughs> then he spills grape juice all over the living room carpet. And then he is showing them his pet grasshopper, Elizabeth. Uh, but he puts his hand <laughs> Good name. in. Elizabeth the boy grasshopper. Um, <laughs> he, he's putting his hand into Elizabeth's jar to get him out and his hand gets stuck. So... Logan does a sort of middling job. Um, he is good at cleaning grape juice out of the rug. Uh, he has a brainwave to put margarine on Jackie's hands so they don't have to break the grasshopper jar. Mm -hmm. He does not give Jackie a talk about why you shouldn't do pull-ups on the shower curtain rod. Although I feel like the ensuing disaster probably... I mean, Jackie probably you know, worked that one out. I think he did. Um, mm -hmm. but he also forgot to check him over for injuries and Marianne is like, yeah, let's see if you broke anything, Jackie. And she does find that when they're actually talking about babysitting, she's not actually that tongue tied. She can actually mm -hmm. hold a conversation with Logan. She can't talk about herself or literally anything else, <laughs> but they can actually bond over babysitting. I quite like that development of Marianne's character as she goes along where she's like, I'm so, I just can't deal with this boy. I have such a crush on him. And the only way that I can get past that is to be professional. I sort of think that's a pretty good life coping skill. Like, okay, focus on the yeah. on the now. Focus yeah. on the job that you have to do. And like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, also, it's a it's a good sort of bracket for the story that you're trying to tell. Yeah, I mean, if she wasn't able to talk to him at all, that would have been a very different book. And you know, yes. Jackie would yes. probably have a broken leg. Like, it's good that she she's not so besotted that she doesn't notice the things Logan gets wrong. Mm -hmm. 
which I think we could not trust a Claudia or a Stacy to do Indeed. <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually don't have a problem with the job that Jackie has done because I find that um, if the kid is actually injured, they'll tell you. Like if they're walking wounded, you'll you'll yeah. know. And yeah. if they're unconscious and you didn't notice, that would be a problem. But like <laughs> Jackie is clearly fine, and Logan has just kind of moved on, and he he probably knows. There's not much point giving him a lecture yeah. <laughs> on this because he's so endlessly creative. He's going to come up with new things to fuck up. Yes. So, yeah. I remember just deal with them as they happen. Thinking that the Marianne, um, yeah, saying well, you should have checked him for rage. He's like, no, kids can generally tell you if they're injured. Yes, yeah. definitely. I think she's trying quite hard to be impartial because she's madly yeah, in love fair. with this guy yeah fair <laughs> oh yes also in true rom-com style uh jackie manages to knock marianne over so that she falls into logan's arms um, which she's not too happy about but when they get out uh logan tells her that she looked very nice when she fell into his arms and she has a pretty <laughs> smile was he looking down her top <laughs> it it yeah, you could interpret it that way, couldn't you? Except that it's Marianne, so she's definitely not wearing a top that you can see down. Yeah. That's true. It's almost certainly a polo neck. <laughs> yes. Richard Spear would not allow clothing like that in the house, even <laughs> even his new marginally more relaxed Richard Spear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's relaxed, but he's not that relaxed. Mm -hmm. Then we have a babysitting interlude, uh, which doesn't really... There, there's a few babysitting chapters that are just kind of self-contained, like, hijinks. Yeah. Uh, Claudia babysits the Perkinses, their big dog runs away, uh, he knocks over an assortment of people in the neighbourhood. Yeah, it's kind of like a little babysitting tour of all of the people they usually sit for. It's yes. sort of yeah. entertaining in its own right. If if you needed like um like a standalone short story for an anthology, this yes. chapter would be fine. It's got no relevance to anything else. Um it it does have an awful lot of like literally Claudia, everybody has warned you not to take the dog out of the backyard. <laughs> Even in the previous book, the family told you not to. And the mum was like, Don't take him out of the backyard. And the two year old was like <laughs> We don't bring Chewy with us on walks. <laughs> Daddy says having Chewy is like having three dogs. <laughs> And then he takes Claudia for a drag through the neighborhood, having stolen Mariah's school book, a school bag. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's very entertaining. It, yes. It's cute and funny. And eventually he steals a bunch of traffic cones from a building site. <laughs> and, and a nice like construction worker has to come over and say, I really like your dog, but can we please have our cones back? <laughs> yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> Which is adorable. Yeah. We can totally just move on from it. Cause yep. <laughs> so we, can, we, we need never speak of this again. <laughs> So they're at another meeting and Christy is asking everyone what they thought about Logan. So Marianne tells them how they got on. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone agrees that Jackie Radowski sounds intense, to say the least. <laughs> Marianne reckons he's a good enough babysitter. And then they all admit that they like Logan, but that having him at their meeting made them all want to die. So <laughs> they yeah. don't quite know what to do about that. Um, so eventually it is decided that Marianne will call Logan, um, mm -hmm. tell him that they like his babysitting style, but that the meeting was excruciating, and just see what he says, which is a terrible, terrible strategy. I actually was reading this and going, I feel like this is what Captain Awkward would tell you to do. Yeah. <laughs> Even acknowledging the fact that it will be very 
painful <laughs> for everybody. But it's like this radical honesty thing always has to happen. It doesn't matter. I could see Christy being a big Captain Awkward aficionado. Yeah. Christy would be all about using her words and speaking her truth. And, and setting boundaries. Like, yeah. Here are my boundaries. Here's how we mm-hmm. felt. It is up to you how you feel about that. Yeah. Marianne is not the person to delegate this to. No. <laughs> like, you, can, you can't do this to Marianne. She's a cinnamon roll. She can't handle any kind of awkwardness. So calling her up and being like, yeah, tell this guy that like we want to work with him, but we find him awkward on a social level. Like that is sadistic. Yeah, that's hard going. And also when she has a, what Captain Awkward would refer to as pants feelings for yes. the guy as well. <laughs> It is yeah. a lot. It is. Yeah. Um. And Marianne, like, fair play to her. She does rise to the challenge, I have to say. Yes, she acknowledges that she would have put it off forever if she could have, if it was just on her own behalf. But she has to do this for the business. She has to do it for the business. And also she has a 15 minute window on this particular day before her dad comes home in yes. which to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So it concentrates her mind wonderfully. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I was, um, I was kind of looking at this and going, it's sort of an interesting discussion of spaces, which are meant for, which are for girls Mm -hmm. and having a boy in that space because, um, the, like they, they all really like boys, but they're also really used to having this sort of safe female space to be, to talk about straps in i suppose um and uh they're you're they're all trying to balance this whole thing of like yeah totally boys can be babysitters and oh my god nobody is enjoying this yeah this yeah. kind of enforced social interaction at all <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so yes marianne calls logan and he says that he's decided not to join the babysitters club mm-hmm. uh, marianne is kind of silently upset but he wants her to go to the dance with him so she says yes instantly to her own astonishment um and everyone else is quite frankly (laughs) but she's a bit weirded out that he doesn't want to join the club uh but yes she's going to a dance and again i had i think it's because of these books that i assumed when they started having discos in secondary school that we would all like have dates going to the dance Mm. and then when nobody asked me i was like well i guess i'd better ask someone myself and then i asked an assortment of boys if they'd be my date at the dance and they all said no because that's not a thing here yeah <laughs> also because some of them were gay but oh boy oh that's i'm sorry i'm sorry that happened to you <laughs> <laughs> i i i must remember to have this conversation with my child before she goes to secondary <laughs> school that there are cultural differences yes dates to school dances are not a thing here <laughs> The kids that your kid goes to school with probably have better manners. <laughs> they would probably be like, well, I don't think people actually do, do that. And we can go as part of a trio. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. See, that would be kind of adorable. That would have a Romeo and Michelle vibe. For you don't need a date for any function until you're dead. Yes. That's just yeah, how that's it is. True. I thought you were going to say until you're dead. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're dead. I don't think I need um, a date for that. I mean, you know, who am I to judge? Um... <laughs> we didn't have school dances. They got like school discos got banned after I was when I was in second year. I don't know why. Maybe someone had too many shenanigans. Because <laughs> it was that town when, in Footloose. When I was in, I, no, it really was. <laughs> when I was in first year, um, 
I never went to them because I was mortified at the idea of having to appear in front of other people, dance or dress like a teenager. So um, I didn't go. But apparently there was still like this elderly nun would go around separating couples with a broomstick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I've heard that story about various like schools and things. I didn't realize it was in our generation. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. That didn't happen at our school discos here um possibly because i'm now realizing that like the supervisors of it were all also drinking oh nice (laughs) that would explain a few things um well at least one of them was i remember the music being like relentlessly bad and thinking is this what dance music is supposed to be like and i think it was actually just that time period of the 90s (laughs) they they got in a dj and it was the worst possible DJ they could have got and being like nobody can dance or do anything to this there is no romancing oh my god I suddenly had a flashback to second year to the school disco when I I asked a guy to dance and he said he'd do a slow dance with me and the slowest thing that the DJ played for the rest of the night was It's a Hard Knocked Life by Jay-Z <laughs> to attempt a slow dance to that and it was so awkward that we got run over by a conga line halfway through and separated <laughs> and I just hid <laughs> and didn't go back to it. then we ended up dating for two whole weeks <laughs> that's amazing oh I know this is great I got asked to dance to a song in um school disco at my previous school by the guy I really really fancied oh, the guy the guy yeah and um i was so embarrassed at the thought of it i think he he came up and asked me i was like i'm sure and we sort of looked at each other and then i ran away (laughs) (laughs) oh no i was like sooner or later i'm gonna wind up telling this story i'm sure it's gonna come up Um, i love it i'm still i'm still embarrassed by this even though like this is like 20 20 plus years later 25 (laughs) years oh my oh my (laughs) God, uh, and I'm friends with him on Facebook, and we have perfectly normal chats about cooking and stuff. But I'm still, like, oh my, I can't believe this is a thing that happened. And I, I feel like it maybe wasn't just me that was embarrassed, but I'm responsible for the running away part anyway. So. That's amazing. I love it. It's like, yeah, I'm really sorry, Jamie, if you're listening to this. Eleven, <laughs> ten. 10 episodes in. Uh, Simon, I'm also sorry about the conga line incident. <laughs> I don't think you're responsible to the, for the conga line incident. Well, I'm sorry I ran away <laughs> using the conga line incident as a convenient excuse. Oh, I think we both knew that song was not danceable. <laughs> the closest thing to one of these I have to apologize for is um, when I was in uh, sixth class of primary school, uh, my teacher, so there was a, a, a class party because we were like, we'd done all of our uh, interest exams for secondary school and we'd made our confirmation. So there wasn't anything else to do. And yeah, like we we'd put on a play and we like had a class party at some stage and um towards the end of the year and I I, I like to think that what was playing on uh or what was playing was um some extremely excruciating early to mid nineties da- um like sort of mainstream rave music, Ebenezer Good or something, or that thing that went, take a trip <laughs> oh, yeah. through another dimension, take a trip through another dimension. I'm headcanoning that it was Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die. No, no, it wasn't. That didn't come out until ni- like 1999. Was I was, I was, I was yeah. 16 then. I was 12 at this stage. So this is, <laughs> oh, we're talking, uh. it might have been Wingfield, <laughs> except that had a set dance to it. So probably not. Um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, so my teacher, who I actually really liked, uh, tried to get me to dance. I was absolutely convinced I, 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 well, I was correct. I had no idea how to dance. I still don't. I flail around like a drunk uncle at a wedding, and I'm okay with this now. <laughs> I've made my peace. But An adorable drunk uncle. I'm glad you think so. I don't <laughs> care. I'll do it anyway. Um, so wherever, when I was 12, I was utterly, maybe as I have, and I could have been fifth class, utterly horrified, terrified at the thought of trying to dance in front of another human. And my teacher tried to get me up to dance, and she tried to pull me up to dance. Like, and she take my hand or my arm, my shoulder, what she did. I just remember holding really tight to the sides of my plastic school chair and her dragging the chair with me on it six feet across the floor before giving up. Oh my God. Wow. That's, that's so awkward for both of you. Yeah, I think that it feels was. like something they should teach you to not do in teacher training. I loved that woman. She was amazing. I did not mind her doing that at all. She then, like, I don't know. They didn't, I, 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 I don't know how she okay. dragged me. I genuinely really liked she that teacher. She was having teacher. the bounce. She wasn't having that. I think she thought I was just being a little shy. And normally I was pretty mm. happy to, like, go and do and say whatever. But no. I'm just picturing in her head, there must have been a moment at which she realized the chair was moving with you. And that she really needed to bail on this, but her arm was just not disengaging fast enough. I am almost she falls you across the room. She was only about twenty-five. I remember her twenty-fifth birthday. Oh, that that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. I'm guessing she didn't do that again in subsequent years. I'm assuming. Anyway, not. oh my god, you guys, we've been recording for an hour and a quarter, and we're fifty-four percent through the book. <laughs> really, need I mean, to try and focus. I'm sort of thinking, isn't the plot of the book basically just like, oh no, Marianne goes out with a boy, he doesn't join the club at the end. I mean, yes, but there's some nuances. All right, that we might want to talk about next um, chapter. Stacy babysits Charlotte Johansson. Oh, and plot happens actually. Oh, uh, because they get onto the subject of birthday oh, parties, yes. and Stacy mentions that Marianne's thirteenth birthday is coming up, and Charlotte is initially really gung ho for a surprise party, and Stacy is like, "No, Marianne would literally die if we did that." So. She decides then to compromise by having a regular party at which they'll bring out a surprise cake. Um, and Stacy has decided it's going to be a real boy-girl party and she's going to tell everyone to bring a date because apparently these people are 40. And <laughs> they're all bringing dates everywhere. <laughs> oh no, not in this town. That's, that's not a good time to party to go to. <laughs> Unless you've signed up in advance for this. Like, and you know all the, the safe words and everything. <laughs> Okay, sorry, sorry, that's really, that's a derail. Let's get back on track. Yes, <laughs> All it's right. going to be a boy-girl party. The dance, they go clothes shopping. Um, we're going to keep the outfit for the outfit discussion at the end because this mm -hmm. outfit is iconic and yeah, it, it needs our full attention. Uh, the girls go clothes shopping. Marianne is freaking out um, because she doesn't know how to dance. And what if she can't think of anything to say? What if she spills her drink on Logan? What if she stomps on his feet? So they all sort of stage an intervention to help her get ready. Stacy will teach her to dance. Uh, Christy will give her helpful tips on scuffing up the soles of her shoes so she doesn't slip. Uh, which, like, mm. again, with Christy, she's just really practical. She and is. I admire that. I think that this is... <laughs> This is Christy wanting to contribute, though. Um, so the bit where they take her shopping and Christy tries to drag Marianne into sportswear and the rest of them are like, sportswear for the dance. And she's like, you never know, you might find a nice sweater or an accessory. And I'm like, accessory for the dance? Like <laughs> a swimming cap? Like tube socks? What? I what is this going to be? We're wearing sweatbands as accessories yeah. those days. So. Oh my God. 
I forget what the 80s yeah. were like. Yeah. Help me oh. forget what the 80s were like. This book has a lot of clothes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I so we actually do get a little scene of Stacy's preparations for the party. Um, and I was like, I was reading this and going, why do I feel a horrible sense of trepidation? And I was like, oh, because I've watched so many American teen comedy movies. Um, and quite recently, I watched um, both seasons of Sex Education, which is great, but like, yes, so really good. not like this. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've yeah so basically do not plan a small intimate get together with a few of your friends which is going to be totally fine. I know how this ends. Stacy, <laughs> don't do it, okay? Um I've I've got pictures of like in my head of Otis saying, "Oh, I'm going to cook a chicken." <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Eric being like, "No, that's not chill. No, you can't do that." But yeah, that's that's the the place which I was like and I, was like, I know it doesn't end with a 100 like 500 people in this house and police helicopters going overhead and people throwing up in the pool but that's what it feels like yes. it's gonna be yeah <laughs> yeah it feels like it will or have you have you you guys haven't read the basic eight have you no no it's really good it's by the guy that wrote the series of unfortunate events Daniel Sandler. yeah mm. but it's um considerably more adult but it hinges around a climactic, terrible party at which it's supposed to be a small, casual get-together and it culminates in 800 kids and someone getting beaten to death with a croquet mallet. And <gasps> it is a masterpiece of building that sense of foreboding up to, like, a terrible, doomed party. <laughs> it's it's well worth reading. It's a very good book. Um, well, this puts the Remember September dance, again, in a more favourable hmm. light um, because that doesn't happen. Uh, Marianne is horrified to get there she's picturing a sort of romantic uh, meeting with Logan and she softly says hello and he says hi Marianne and gives her a pink carnation that coordinates perfectly with her outfit but actually she has to battle her way to him through 20,000 other kids and he has given her a flower that clashes horribly with her outfit and that somebody has stepped on (laughs) which is kind of perfect yeah it's so accurate this is you know you're envisioning the experience is not what it's actually gonna be like because you you can't foresee all the eventualities and actually logan is trying pretty hard so fair play he brought her a corsage that doesn't happen again until the deb's here yes so um initially it's super awkward because they're not babysitting so they don't know what to talk about so they eat a bunch of cookies and punch um, and then they do start dancing and they actually start to have some fun. Uh, Marianne decides to just copy what Logan does. So he starts doing sillier and sillier dance moves and she imitates them, which is pretty adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he does like a showgirl kick and so does she. And her shoe flies <gasps> off, uh, which is the other thing that I remembered from this book. Um, because Marianne like loses her reason. Uh, she has to hobble across the room and find her shoe. And then she's so embarrassed that she spends literally the entire rest of the evening uh, sitting in the bleachers. Sulking. Um, which gives us our cover image, um, which is, we, we had talked about it a bit last week. And we all said that it looked like Marianne in the aftermath of Logan having said something absolutely unconscionably offensive. Um, she, she, she looks so yeah. deeply uncomfortable. This is the UK cover. Uh, and what I'd forgotten is that that's actually completely true to what happens <laughs> at the dance. Not him saying something offensive, but she is actually that miserable yeah. at the dance. Yeah. And Logan is sort of desperately trying to bring her around. So he he's actually very sound. Like he, he goes and dances with her friends platonically, but he 
comes back and checks on her after every song and asks if she wants to join the party and sort of mm-hmm. tries to talk her into it, but she's having none of it. Um, but at the end of the evening, he says that he's still glad that she came with him, um, mm-hmm. which is quite sweet. And yeah. He says that no girl has ever fooled around with him like that because... Oh my God. Yes, this is the second use of the term fooling around in this book um, because it, it is applied to um, the girls just at a babysitter's club meeting at the very start and I had highlighted then as well. So I think we talked about this phrase a while back and we're like, at some yes. point, it stopped being used for just general... Horsing around. Horsing around and is now has a much more specific meaning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Logan commends her on her fooling around skills um, <laughs> and says that he likes that she wasn't trying to show off that she was a good dancer because uh, she's not. Mm-hmm. But she, yeah, she's she's feeling pretty cringy about the whole thing, but he doesn't seem to hate her. So it's all good. I do remember somebody accidentally kicking their shoe off once at school. Uh, she was kicking a football and her shoe flew off and it landed on the school roof and ah! touched in a gutter. And the tallest teacher in the school had to go out and get a bunch of blackboard dusters and throw them up at the shoe to knock it down. It was amazing. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that people just value for the entertainment. Yeah. And yes. They don't no hold one it against you. the girl that this yeah. happened to. Yeah. I think I have, Marianne has no chill um, she really on the whole no, she, the she shoe thing. Like, being being embarrassed for a couple of minutes, yeah, but like her dad is not a great modeler of chill either. But uh, yeah, <laughs> she, she massively overestimates how much people are going to judge her for this shoe mishap. But it's Marianne. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, Logan still seems pretty into her, so he gets her to go watch a junior varsity football game, which sounds horrifying. Um, (laughs) And he eats with the club at lunchtime a couple of days. And one day they even eat lunch, just the two of them alone together. Um, And he invites her to the movies. Um, An actual date. Yes, these people are like, they're they're dating. They're actually dating. Crazy. So Christy is minding her step-siblings. And she invites Dawn over to hang out. And... (laughs) there's she meets louis and we're not going to talk about that um and then christy and dawn speculate about what marianne and logan are getting up to in the cinema maybe kissing maybe holding hands (laughs) (laughs) oh dear okay so i am not the expert um i defer to your better judgment on this but this scene really felt like a pair of gal pals palling around me (laughs) am i wrong just gals being pals. Dawn Christie is one of the most popular ships. I'm not surprised. And I think probably some of it is the, um, uh, the mild antagonism, you know. Enemies to lovers trope. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, they're, so in this scene, they are sitting side by side on Christie's big bed, ignoring the TV and talking about how they don't really want to invite boys to this party. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was one point where I was like, because of the way that it displayed on my Kindle, I was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't remember this. Uh, and then they're just like, yeah, no, maybe I'll invite this guy. You know, that might work out. Uh, but I, yeah, it just feels like it, it had a different ending. <laughs> yes! But Anna Martin might have originally wanted. I mean, yeah, I like that Christy just eventually settles on asking Alan Gray because He's a pest, but we end up doing stuff together. At least I'd know what to expect from him. In other words, it would be hella platonic. I get the impression that there was an attempt to do Christy and Alan Gray as those people who annoy each other a lot because they fancy each other. Yeah. And it 
just doesn't work. No, no because Christy, in, you know, who is a fictional character, has standards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, and she was like, Anne, I'm not doing this thing. You're going to have to give me a rewrite on this particular plotline. <laughs> yeah. So she, yeah, she, she gave Alan Gray a go. Um, but even as sort of just a, a, a device for moving the plot forward, it, he didn't really go. <laughs> no. <laughs> as yeah. you're about to see in the party scene. <laughs> yes. Excruciating party scene. Um, so yes, we next have Marianne and Logan chit-chatting on the phone. Um, Desperately trying to think of things to talk about. So Marianne mm. lets Logan describe the entire plot of the film Meatballs to her. Um, <laughs> because that'll eat up some time. Uh, then he tells her she should watch it because it's on TV tonight. <laughs> this is believably very, very awkward. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Marianne yes. is in a panic because she's only supposed to have phone calls of 10 minutes or less. And she's been on the phone for 12 minutes. And then the phone rings as soon as she hangs up and she's worried that her dad's been trying to get through. But it's Stacy wanting to talk about the party. And Stacy has mm-hmm. the most head wrecking life hack. Um, <laughs> Stacy says that when she calls her friend Lane in New York, she is only allowed to call her for five minutes at a time. So what she does is call her back six times so they can talk for <laughs> half an hour. And like... Oh my god, the phone bill, the phone bill. It's so much worse that way. Uh, yeah, I know. It's the, the first three minutes are more expensive than, oh. I know, it's the worst possible solution. This entire section with the kind of back and forth of phone calls and the talking about how you can, you know, the, the hacks of staying on the phone longer. Oh my god, this was just the biggest wave of nostalgia. <laughs> and I, I used to watch the X-Files at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night in Sky 1, and then I would immediately ring my friend Ashling after it. And and, and, and and we would, like, yeah, I would take the cordless phone into my room or whatever and, and take the tape that I just recorded the X-Files on and put it in, and we would rewatch it together on the oh. phone, discussing every moment of it. But that was as important as watching the X-Files. And it didn't matter how often dad banged on my door and was like, how are you on that phone for? It was like... <laughs> an hour, dad. <laughs> about an hour. We're, we're re-watching... Probably an hour and a half, to be fair. Um, but unlike then, the, the phone bill arrived... After one 190-something pound phone bill, uh, the phone bill arriving would be accompanied with dad by dad getting the highlighters out. <laughs> <laughs> The itemized phone bill that was many pages thick, sitting there with highlighters, what's that number? Did you ring that number? Yeah. Like, I just have such fun nostalgia for the whole thing. That is such dad behavior. Me and my friend Joey had the weirdest hobby. We would call each other every night and we would separately go through the golden pages to look for funny ads and then make fun of them together over the phone. That's amazing. We had specific ads that we would look up repeatedly. We'd be like, oh, let's look at that ad again. <laughs> see if we can think of anything else funny to say about it. We would do this for literally hours. That's like, kind of amazing. A week. I love it, was, it. It was actually very, very fun, but it drove our dads insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were local calls free at that point? or Nope. No. Okay. No, Mm. says the voice of experience. Bitter experience. (laughs) Nope, I remember all the fights about the phone bill. They were not. My dad would take to performatively pulling the money out of his wallet and scattering it on the floor in front of me when I'd been on the phone too long. I honestly would just be uh, like, okay, well, wait until the bill comes then. 
And then I would get the bill and then I would be like, okay, so you keep bringing your friend's mobiles, dad, from the landline and that's more <laughs> than I have. Um, but if you want, I'll give you £10 out of my pocket money. There you go. <laughs> I, I would, I, yeah, I, aggressive. He never took, he never took the tenor. Yeah, no, I was. It was That's a winning amazing. tactic, okay? I yeah. mean, honestly, I was reading it and thinking, God, I couldn't keep up a 10-minute conversation with someone on the phone now mm. unless I had something specific to talk to them about. Like, I have lost that skill. I, I cannot gab on the phone anymore. Like, I can text all day and frequently do. I, but like, mm. I do it for work with complete strangers constantly. But at least you have, like... You already have a topic to talk about. They have a problem that they need you to solve. That's true, that's true. And you get paid for doing it. I can actually empathize with Marianne being like, oh God, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I once had that skill and I do not know. So anyway, she calls him. He's like, oh, it's always me that calls you. But she calls him and asks him to be her date to Stacy's party, Mm. um, which she's very excited about. Yes, her dad says that she can take Logan as a date, but only if she meets Logan at the party. Um, The implication being that they would fraternize in some way if they went to <laughs> Company party keeping of a serious nature. <laughs> exactly. There would be company keeping. I mean, <laughs> the party's round the corner from her house anyway, and it's Marianne. Yeah. And it's like seven o'clock in the evening. Like, <laughs> there are no shenanigans going to be happening, but that's just fear for you. I don't know. It, it's probably revealing more about his childhood. Or possibly his college years that he's applying these kind of strictures to Marianne. He's like, yeah, yes. what what were you up to, Richard? <laughs> I think we need to start like kind of anna- anna- collecting our Richard here, our Richard Spearhead cannons because yes. So we're we're <laughs> pretty happy that evidence. he has had a wild youth. Yes, definitely. Mm. So Marianne gets all glammed up to go to the party. Um and she goes there the the girls and the boys have congregated at opposite ends of the room as is traditional as is traditional the boys are being disgusting um austin (laughs) bentley is throwing pretzels in the air and catching them in his mouth pete black is dipping potato chips in his coke um claudia is ogling austin throwing the pretzels in his mouth alan gray has put yellow m&ms in his eyes and is pretending to be little orphan annie from the comic strips which is hilarious yeah i had obviously never seen or heard of the comic strips um uh when i read this all i always think of was is that something to do with like annie the musical i don't get it is it not yeah it is annie the musical is based on the comics yeah but i didn't know what the button okay. m&ms in the eyes had to do with it and is she blind no, she's not. It's just a really weird way that all the characters are drawn. They're just drawn. Her eyes are little blank yellow circles. Yeah. Oh. It's it, it's yeah. really creepy and weird. I've seen the, like yeah. pictures of the comic since, and my first thought was that was why they put the M&Ms in their eyes in the Babysitter's <laughs> Club. Because I don't think it's the first time that joke is shows up in it, in, in the books. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's not well, the only time, sorry. I think it is I think first. it's the first time, but it is definitely referenced further. There, Anna Martin definitely knew somebody who did this specifically. I am pretty thing. sure this yes. is probably a really common joke to do in when she was in school. That has the ring of truth to it, yeah. This particular description upsets me so much that I was sort of conscious of it and of the <laughs> fact that 
it continues throughout the duration of the party, which sounds like it goes on for kind of maybe an hour or more. And he's still got M&Ms in his eyes. And I'm like, he Alan, the bit. You're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get an eye infection like a certain person we all know <laughs> who <laughs> discovered how to squirt milk out of his eye. And that was his party trick until he nearly lost the eye to a horrible eye infection that proves eyes are not meant to have milk in them. Who? <laughs> okay, begin cut. Esther's brother, end cut. Ah, excellent. Yes, did you know you can have such a bad eye infection that you have to be put on your own in a special room in the hospital? Because <laughs> you can. So basically, kids, don't do the thing. Yes, don't put food in your eye. Um, That's amazing. I do think it's pretty funny, though, mm. the, the, the M&Ms and the eyes. I laughed very hard when I read this. He's got some stamina. I can't even put a contact lens in my eye. Like, if it's not sitting in the right space, I'm like, ah, take it out of your I don't think it's in the eye. I think it's, like, outside the eye and the eye is screwed up to hold it in. God, I hope he's not put them on his eyeball. That's horrifying. Yeah. I assumed he'd put them, just bunged them in there. I assume he's <laughs> like, got them wedged in his sockets, like, tiny monocles he's got them yeah squinched in between his eyes he's gone like this <laughs> it, okay fair enough but that joke's gonna get old after like 30 seconds i think he just sort of assume that maybe every 15 minutes he returns to it to, to try and okay and regain the high of the laugh he got the first time he did it you know are you guys oh, still laughing can somebody tell me i can't see <laughs> being the class clown is a thankless task <laughs> So, yes, um, Claudia is absolutely entranced with the pretzel throwing and Emily Bernstein is disgusted at the M&M hijinks and is mad at Christy for having invited him. Emily Bernstein sounds like no crack, Yeah, whoever she is. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we hear much about Emily Bernstein. Probably because she's no crack. So, Marianne is getting on great with Logan and she wonders if she's in love or is she too young to be in love or is she in love? Um, then Logan slightly goes down on my estimation, uh, because he basically gives Marianne a performance review. Um, (laughs) he tells her that she, she's great company, but she should open up more and be more friendly and easier to get to know. He likes that she's very serious and she takes people seriously, but still has a sense of humor, but sometimes she's too sensitive and he wasn't sure if things would work out between them, but he's happy they're together. Uh, which I have written, Jesus, thanks for the feedback. (laughs) She did not ask for this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes. Also, Stacy tries to turn down the lights to make things romantic, but everyone screams and panics, so she has to turn them back up I love that, actually. That is so funny. Again, so true to life, because that is what happens when the lights, if the lights go off or dim or flicker, everyone shrieks. It's just what happens. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's cured. Stacy's expectations for the evening are a bit different than everyone else's. (laughs) Like, romance is not happening. But then they bring in the birthday cake, and everyone sings happy birthday. And <laughs> everyone is looking at Marianne. Um, Austin has paused in his pretzel throwing. Alan Gray is staring at him with his staring at her with his blind M M&M and M eyes. <laughs> Pete has dropped a soggy potato chip into his coke. Um, That's some good scene setting. I know it's it's very good. <laughs> Marianne panics uh, and runs out and runs all the way home, which is 
as we have discussed, not as disastrous as the party could have been, but also quite bad. <laughs> um, so she gets home. She's too embarrassed to tell her dad what's happened. So she assumes that Logan or maybe Stacy will call her to apologize. Um, and they don't. So she thinks, well, oh, they must be about to come over in person. And then after an hour, she realizes that nobody's coming. They hate me. Everybody yeah. hates me. Uh, and yeah, so she goes from this point where she's angry at everybody um, to just, oh my God, I've messed everything up. Nobody will ever speak to me again. I will be a pariah. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of overthinking, which is also very relatable. Yes. Yeah. And also very merry Exactly. Very what she does do is ask the next morning if she can get a cat to keep her company. Uh, now that she has no friends and never will again. She doesn't say that last part out loud. Yeah. But it's it's very heavily implied. I have Marianne jumps straight to cat after thinking that she has ruined all her friendships. Like, it is also possible to have a cat and friends. You are positive, <laughs> no. both of you. Yeah, no, have I think she knows that, but I think she, she doesn't feel it's in the cards for her specifically because <laughs> she has ruined everything forever. I get it. I mean, it's like, well, I've ruined everything forever. I will never have any friends or a cute boyfriend ever again. I'm giving up on humans. I'm giving up on humans. I guess I better get a pet. Nothing else is yeah. ever going to love me. <laughs> I, I'm going to be the world's youngest cat lady. Yeah. <laughs> Joke's on you. Not all the cats are going to love you either. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, Marianne, I just want to be friends, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there's uh richard spears gives her quite a nice um talk on rescuing rather than buying yes yeah. i was impressed by that it's a good little piece of advice yes he says that she can get a cat on condition that she pays for uh dishes and toys in the litter box and that she has to get it from the shelter because those are the cats that really need a home Aww. Uh, which more power to you richie that's what I like. Yeah. That at least is, is going well for Marianne. And yes, she and we are surprised that he actually agrees to this because uh, they've mm. never had a pet before. But he's like, actually, yeah, that's fine. Let's get a cat. Uh, which is, again, he's fairly sound these days. I have a feeling he's probably actually given this a great deal of thought. He was very quick to come out with, here's what your responsibilities will be. Mm. Here's what my responsibilities will be. Like, I reckon he might have been actually about to suggest it. And he's actually been thinking about this yeah. for 18 months or thereabouts. <laughs> also very I possible. agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Marianne then sort of gathers her courage and calls Logan to apologize. And Logan is incredibly apologetic because he thought that she hated, they all thought that she hates them. And she thinks they all hate her. And it turns out nobody hates anybody. Yeah. And, and everybody's just feeling a bit bad about how the whole thing went. Yeah. So Marianne invites Logan to come to the shelter and help her pick out a kitten. Which, as I have in my notes, means they're basically engaged now. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say that's just... terrifyingly domestic. Yeah. That is that is a lot of, like, committed couple <laughs> behavior. Yeah. What would the shelter people think? Like, what weird vibes it would be if this, like, kind of... 12 year old 13 year old couple where they're picking a cat out together like the yes. fuck yeah it, it is very sweet that her dad um discreetly waits in the car so that she and logan can go pick the cat out together it is um so he is giving them some space in a very public environment where, where no, no shenanigans, shenanigans can happen. exactly <laughs> 
But like, also, yeah, they're basically married now because <laughs> they, once you pick to pet it out together, like that's it. I I did once go pick a pet out with all of the housemates who would be living with the pet, though. That makes sense. We we were not. I, I'm married to one of those people. They probably see all sorts of things. <laughs> all right, Marianne and Logan are a boring monogamous heterosexual couple, and they already. go get a cat together. Yeah, already yeah. exactly. That's how I remember them from yeah. references in later books. That yeah. is kind of... They That's just it. have been together forever and people are like, oh, Marianne and Logan, she's got a boyfriend. What a quirk. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I understand in later books that I haven't read, they break up. Yes. Which I am actually dying to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that'll be pretty juicy. It, this was a poor education, I have to say, for what both Hong Kong and Irish teenage relationships would look like uh-huh. because i think dating is american mm-hmm. it is, in a yeah. really culturally specific way um that just is not replicated in other parts of the world where it just can be extremely specific <laughs> like yeah. in ireland the traditional way to end up like you do occasionally go on dates and stuff but the traditional way you end up in a relationship mm. with someone is you sort of end up at the same parties or the same pub and while drunk, your tongues get into each other's mouths <laughs> on enough occasions in a row that eventually one of you kind of goes, uh, are we going out? <laughs> and, uh, you know, or asks you to a social occasion that isn't just happening to show up at the same pub and parties. Or, you know, you go to the next one mm. together. And then eventually you're going out and at some stage you just get married. Like, there's just not much more to it than that. <laughs> I know. All of this dating stuff is very exotic. So he gives her a bracelet as a birthday present and invites her to the 50s fling next month. Mm -hmm. So it's back on, basically, big time. Mm -hmm. Um, Then she calls Stacy and they apologize to each other and then cry because these girls love drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, they do. And then it finishes with all the girls come over to hang out to give Marianne her birthday presents and mm-hmm. they all have cake and they all admire the kitten who is very cute. Then Dawn announces that after eating all that sugar in the birthday cake, she wants to brush her teeth, but settles for rinsing her mouth out, which is rude. That's so mm. rude. Yeah. But they've been plenty rude to Dawn That's previously. About yeah. the whole food. So this is this is sort of an ongoing little power struggle that they have yes. between each other. It's the provision of snacks and the rejection of snacks is all it's it's just um it's a it's an elaborate ceremonial dance that they have to do. Yes, <laughs> they must food shame each other. Yes. So they eventually decide that Logan they still need Logan to help with babysitting. Um mm-hmm. So he becomes an associate member, which means they can offload extra babysitting jobs onto him, but he doesn't have to come to meetings and they can all talk about brass traps to their heart's content. Um, So everybody wins and everybody's happy. And that is the plot. All right, let's do a quick rundown (laughs) of the outfits. Yes. Fashion. So the most important fashion in this um is marianne's iconic famous city skirt i'm gonna Mm -hmm. say that again marianne's iconic famous city skirt yes (laughs) it's so 80s with the sketchy writing and the city names even that is a real 80s like motif i love it yes it's amazing you could get away with that now if you paired it with something a little plainer it would look really 80s though it would look like you were going for an 80s look 
Yeah, I think you could do that. Oh, you could. No, no, you could, but it would, it is very of that decade, and it would look like you were trying to evoke that decade. Yeah, 100%. I'm just going to read the full description of this, because, like, we all need to bask in the glory of it. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a full white skirt with the words Paris, Rome, and London, and sketchy pink and blue pictures of the Eiffel Tower, Tower Bridge, and other stuff scrawled all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they team this with a pink shirt and a baggy pink sweater, and then she wears coordinating pink and white and blue shoes with it. This is what she wears to the dance and to the party, and to, if I remember rightly, every social event for the entire rest of the series forever. I admire her for doing that. I feel like you should be able to rewear your key outfits yeah because i sure as hell i'm buying a new dress every time i'm going out oh god no i don't even do that thing where you're supposed to buy a new dress for every wedding you go to would you go away (laughs) (laughs) no also at her birthday they give her more things that coordinate with the skirt she gets a blue top that goes with it uh to switch out with her pink top and some famous city socks it's um, just that's adorable and, yeah is. supportive of her decision to wear this one skirt for the rest of the decade yes because admiring famous cities is half of her personality yeah. as we have already established also when they go to the dance claudia wears short tight black pants and a big white shirt that says bebop all over it in between pictures of rock and roll dancers which is mm-hmm. again just breathtakingly 80s yep it's so 80s I can I can picture the font that would be in. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, also, Mariel Radowski, the cool mom, mm-hmm. is oh. rocking double denim. Um, <laughs> she's wearing blue jeans and a jean jacket. She didn't look like most mothers I knew, says Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a lumberjack. <laughs> she looks like a member of Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They also kind of look like cute little Irish lady lumberjacks. Yes. Although I'm guessing it's like stonewashed. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, very mm-hmm. square cut jeans. Yeah, not like not your boot indigo. cut, not your boot no. cut bewitched denim. Oh no, <laughs> no. Um, oh yes, and then at the the meeting that Logan comes to, Marianne wears small hoop earrings, a gold chain bracelet that used to belong to her mother, um, and a bright vest, i.e., a waistcoat over a short sleeved white blouse. She says that she looked not bad, which I think is quite charitable. <laughs> waistcoats. No, never. never. Oh my god. Esther, we can't be friends anymore. I'm sorry, do you have opinions on waistcoats? For starters, in the early 90s, waistcoats, yes. I wore a lot of waistcoats over <laughs> turtlenecks, in fact. Um, an awful lot of them, and I really liked some of them. And that teacher who I really liked, who tried to drag me out of a chair, wore a lot of them as well. And I thought she was cool. Maybe I fancied her. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, Anyway, um, enough about uh, my lack of self-knowledge as a 12-year-old. I have... I love waistcoats. Waistcoats look awesome. No, I have several waistcoats. I wear them when I'm trying to look like... Look, one of my favourite looks is lesbian newscaster, okay? I really (laughs) like waistcoats. Just leave me alone. It's a completely chromulent look, okay? It's it's the look that Great British Bake Off was built on. Um, <laughs> okay, all Sue right. Sue Perkins sorry. is one of my style icons. <laughs> no, wait, wait. I I want to set the record straight. She's absolutely iconic. Um, <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to her waistcoats. And yes, I'm sorry. I I am judging brightly coloured waistcoats over turtlenecks, and I, okay. you're not going to mm. turn me on that. But yes, I I would like to acknowledge that Sue Perkins looks fierce. 
Uh, okay, I don't cool. want anyone to get the wrong idea. Wasn't there a Woody Allen film that had... Diane Keaton? I, yeah, Diane Keaton. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah no, that kind of waistcoat look is excellent. And I'm thinking that that was the time where that no. approximately this happened. No, and I could just... But I could just, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Diane Keaton's yeah. waistcoat Hall, looks like... Hall. Yeah. 76, I think, or 74. Yeah. I, I all... Literally all I remember about that film was the waistcoats. So, they were very um, bad. <laughs> I love that I'm not look a fan. so much. <laughs> we can't well, be friends they... anymore, Esther. We just have two diverging opinions on waistcoats. <laughs> this is this is worse than Fennelgate. <laughs> <laughs> At least Fennel is a or coriander. I think is the one that people acknowledge. There are differences in taste. Yeah, it's coriander. It's yeah. Maybe you know you just need the gene for waistcoats. <laughs> Look, I have the waistcoat gene. We're just gonna roll with that. It's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, can I make some sort of general comments about this? Assuming I'm not too drunk to do so. Yes, please do. Esther will decide that in the editing room. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, in theory, there's some interesting gender stuff going on here. In um, sort of when you're at that phase where you're trying to understand your male peers yeah. being part of the same species as you but it's really hard work <laughs> yes i like i think it's a good message that like it's a lot easier if you actually have interests in common yes mm-hmm. they can talk about babysitting and it's or fine even better professions in common <laughs> yes oh my god it's like that thing where you can only talk to your work friends about work <laughs> The bit where they take Marianne shopping feels like like Anna and Martin might have been gearing up for a montage, which would have been pretty fun. Um, yes. But the bit where Christy is trying to get her into sportswear, which is everybody says no to, um, and Stacy keeps trying to get her into the underwear section. Yeah. Which is like, I hope that this is just a whole thing of, oh, I'm so fashionable, I have to ensure that each outfit has the correct pants I to go with so. it. I think yes. so. But I mean... That's probably what she was going for. But I have to say, I know it's a big department store and all I could think of was the Father Ted episode with all the priests <laughs> in the underwear department. <laughs> um, and Aww. it's it's not a good combination yeah. of things. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine. I'd have been mortified if my friends were trying to bring me to buy underwear when I was... Oh my like, God, no. Oh, we would have oh, sooner died. We, yeah. we got to a point where it was kind of hilarious. At about when, 16. Yeah. So not at 14 or 15. 16, but not when you were 13. No. Yeah. I remember there was a year in school when everyone bought each other thongs as gag gifts. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Ah, uh, thongs. But like, yeah, the, the girls are not at that stage. So like, no. picturing going to Pennies for a five pack of pants, like, that's yeah. just not a group activity. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and then you'd be like, oh man, I can imagine at 13, you'd just be like, I can't, I can't go underwear shopping with them. I'm already afraid that I'm buying other clothes wrong. I mean, how much worse would it be if I were buying underwear wrong? And like, they might no. find out that I have a bum. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the shame would be too great. I don't yeah. know. And it's like, is it going to be terrible because I, I wear a bra? Is it going to be terrible because I, I wear insufficient bra? Am I doing that wrong too? I mean, everything. No. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. oh. The minefield. Just yeah. being 35 is way easier than being a teenager. It's you know? amazing. <laughs> it's it's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's so good. Basically, after about 27, you just don't care about anything anymore. I've had yeah. 10 years of no fucks. It's been really good. <laughs> it's wonderful. 
I mean, yep. cannot recommend it more highly. Like, genuinely do this thing. Get old. It's great. <laughs> yes. Tips for teenagers. Just wait. Wait a really yeah. long time. And everything you're worried about right now is going to go away. I guarantee it. Yes. <laughs> so the only thing else that I didn't mention, I suppose, is um uh, that <laughs> Anna Martin, having invented the band Smash, Yes. Um, is is going to reuse Smash. So oh, yes. uh, Christy got Marianne a Smash tape, our favorite group, for her birthday. Like, yet yeah, no, I noticed that Marianne only discovered Smash in the previous book, or in book eight, sorry. Um, and we still only have the early two thousands Russian pop duo <laughs> or the English punk rock trio from the nineties <laughs> from Welling Garden City. So it's got to be one of those. Anna Martin, I'm still waiting. <laughs> you haven't told me which one it is. Uh, I'm going to go with the Russian pop duo I, it feels more Marianne so. God can you imagine Mr. Spears face if he found his daughter listening to Soviet music <laughs> <laughs> alright I think um, we will leave it there I'm going to remember to plug our social media which I was totally supposed to do last week and completely forgot <laughs> to do yep. we're on Tumblr, Facebook and Instagram as the podcast at Dawn's House and we're on Twitter as at podcast Dawn because it wouldn't let me use the podcast at Dawn's House because it was too long um so give us a follow and uh tell your friends about the podcast and um share it around and give us reviews on itunes i mean apple podcasts if that is a thing that you know how to do um, i mean it's, it's pretty easy you just scroll past it and there's like star ratings and then there's the thing where you can type i did that on the pod I- i've never listened to podcasts until after i started recording this um not related <laughs> i just happened to start listening to a podcast at- it was Sawbones. But anyway, I learned how to review podcasts. It's really easy. Um, uh, if you follow the Tumblr, I, Aoife, occasionally reblog nonsense. Um, uh, I don't know about the other ones. I don't have the logins for those. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mo- mostly posting about new episodes and tangentially related crap. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the nonsense I reblog is Babysitter's Club related things that I feel reflects the content of this podcast. I, I, I'm i probably being overly self-deprecating when I say nonsense. Yes. No, I have been... I I, I approve of the content you've been posting. <laughs> it's oh, good. God, someone's looked at it. Yes. No, I've been, I've, I've been checking it up. It has um, no notes. Make me feel better. I don't have a Tumblr account anymore. Oh, no. I'm not going to make you get one again. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that especially after I bullied you into joining TikTok. <laughs> You'd be yeah. within your rights. Tell us about what's on our TikTok account. I deleted the app. I don't we, I, we do not have a TikTok account. If we wanted to be on video, we would be recording the video for these sessions and none of us wants that. No, profoundly. No. Like, well, I, the, actually, I think I am, actually. I reblogged the uh, awesome, uh, the p- paperback cat on Tumblr, uh, paperback hyphen cat, uh, who does like nostalgia videos about her books. She appears to be a lady uh, hmm. from the Antipodes. Um, and she uh, does like nostalgia stuff about her books and stuff. And uh, she's got loads of Babysitter's Club books, like tons of them. She has really collected these. Um, and she did a really nice overview of them and went through book by book. Uh, it is absolutely our jam. Um, it looked that little there. Um, awesome. And she's way more on topic than we tend to be. So I've just reblogged her video on, the, on her Babysitter's Club books uh, recently on Tumblr. Cool. All right. I think we'll wrap it up there. And it only remains for me to say absolutely no smoking, smooching or snapping.
when I was about 11, um, someone found a used condom down the playing fields. Ew. It was the talk of the school for a month. Uh, Ew. It started that people would call each other a condom as an insult. (laughs) That's a magnificent insult, actually. And a younger girl than me turned around and I heard her call someone a condom. (laughs) (laughs) I remember going, Neve, does your mammy know you say that? (laughs) And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, do you know what it means? And she was like, yeah, it means an idiot. And I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure, kid. Wow. Because I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm a mature 10, 10, 11 year old. You're eight. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> That's above your pay grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> You're useful, but gross, and nobody wants to think about you. Exactly. And they'd rather you think that they didn't need you. And you're discarded as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, you condom yet. Yeah. 